This fresh coat of the startup life has been sprayed on nice and smooth by Wagner and the Flexil series of paint sprayers. Startup Nation, my wife decided she wanted to rehab her childhood home. The goal was to fix it up and invite a nice family to rent it out. We knew one of the biggest jobs we had to undertake was painting. However, from the walls, the cabinets, and even the siding outside, it was going to be a big task. As entrepreneurs with a company to run, we knew this was going to take up a lot of our time, which is why we decided to get a paint sprayer. And after much research, we decided to go with the sprayer from the Flexio series from Wagner. Startup Nation, these sprayers are top-notch because of its flexibility to paint or stain walls, furniture, cabinets, and more. It's 10 times faster than using a paintbrush, which was a big selling point for us. And you can paint or stain right from the can. It's also easy to clean in five minutes and being great for indoor and outdoor projects, a paint sprayer from the Flexio series clearly needs to be part of the arsenal in your garage. So if you're ready to stain your deck or like me, fill your daughter's request of a bubblegum pink room, up your game with a paint sprayer from the Flexio series by Wagner. Take it from me. Your time will thank you. It's time to be about that life, the startup life. Here's your host, Dominic Lawson. All right, Startup Nation, so I hope you're ready to receive some value today. My name is Dominic Lawson, and this is The Startup Life, the show for entrepreneurs and career-minded professionals. You know, Startup Nation, the demographics in our country are changing, and they are changing fast. As you, As of now, we have five different generations in the workplace, which means that old leadership models and how we communicate in, this, in our businesses will need to shift as well, which is why we have a fantastic guest for you today. She is an author, multi-generational workplace scholar and board advisor. She is also the former executive vice president and chief communications officer at First Horizon Bank. Her advice and research findings have been featured in Forbes, CNBC, CBS, The Network Journal, and Today.com. She's also a Trekkie. We're going to talk about that a little bit. But <laughs> lastly, she is also the author of the Amazon.com bestseller, Generation Z in the Workplace, helping the newest generation in the workplace build successful working relationships and career paths. She is Dr. Candace Steele Flippin. Dr. Candace, how are you today, ma'am? I am fantastic, Dominic. Thank you so much for allowing me to share some of my thoughts and opinions and research with your listeners. Absolutely. It is absolutely an, a, a pleasure on our end uh, to have you on the show. But Dr. Candace, if you would just kind of share your origin story and your background a little bit. I'm happy to. Mm -hmm. I was actually born in Memphis, Tennessee, and my family then, like so many others, migrated um, to Detroit. Mm -hmm. where I was raised by my mom and my stepdad. My mom was a city um, worker and my stepfather was an auto worker. My okay. father my father actually stayed in Memphis and he was an entrepreneur. Okay. He, he went to the Navy and the Navy taught him to be an electrician. Um, after that, he, he started his own business. And my parents really underscored in us the value of education, but also the need to be curious and make up our own mind. I went to school, interestingly enough, as an art history major and then mm -hmm. converted to a business major for my master's degree and launched my career into communications. And ironically, in a short period of time, three different things happened. Mm -hmm. The first is I stepped into an elevator. You know how you get into an elevator and people are talking? Absolutely. You're trying not to hear their conversation, but you're like, there's just a few of you in the elevator. Right. And it was 
two two baby boomer females. Mm. And they were talking about this young person who had just joined their team. And everything they were saying was very negative. Mm. And at the end of it, they looked at each other and they said, millennials. And I thought to myself, I wonder how this millennial person is feeling. Right. And then within a short amount of time, a, I was in a conference room and I walked in and there was a conversation going on. And it was two millennials talking to each other. And I came in at the tail end of the conversation and said, well, you know, you've got to be patient with these baby boomers. I mean, you know, they don't have the technology savviness that we have. You know, mm. they feel that, you know, they feel that, you know, everything has to be a conversation on the phone as opposed to just quickly sending, you know, a text. Right. And it was really interesting to hear their perspective. And then by the end of that week, one of my colleagues scheduled a meeting for me and I thought he wanted to talk about an upcoming product launch, but he came in, he shut my door and he says, okay, Candace, we got to talk. Something's going on with the people on my team and it's just not working. And I went to the internet, as so many people do. And I started Googling information about the generational dynamics. Right. And Dominic, everything that I saw was actually negative. Mm. There wasn't a lot of information around, what was happening. So I actually went back to school to get my doctorate in management from Case Western Reserve. And I've been studying and writing about the multi-generational workplace as an executive fellow at Case Western Reserve since 2016. And what I found is that the values that each generation has are all great. They're just a product of what was happening when we were growing up right. and what was happening historically and then how we took that information and shaped our value system. And so if you think about it, if you were born, let's just say during the great depression, so those right. are traditionalist people over 75 now, but there's some of them are still in the workplace. And, you know, if you came of age during a time when there was not a lot of resources, right? you may value not wasting things. You may value, um, you know, being careful and, and, and being and, and being planful um, and following the company agenda or program. Right. You may have a lot of more loyalty and gratitude because you have benefits programs like pensions and other things that are available to you. And so your point of view of how you approach work may be different. But let's fast forward and say you were born at a time when technology made everything clear for you and anything right. you wanted to know, you could just Google it and you get the answer. You might value transparency and, 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 and efficiency. Both are great. It's just that sometimes we forget that our historical context shapes what's important to us. And so I write and research uh, what's happening from a value perspective so that I can build a bridge right. and people can get the best out of their working relationships and their career. That's very interesting. Thank you for sharing that. that that's very interesting because I was actually just listening to a, another podcast and this guy was talking about his dad from that era of the Great Depression. Uh, and he said that generation, that generation is also very hard on themselves as well. Not just hard on, you know, every other generation, but they're also <laughs> hard uh, on themselves as well. So I just kind of, I, I just thought that was interesting that you say that, but I want to ask you this because, I mean, when you talk about those negative stereotypes or those negative perceptions 
Legends, if you will. And you're talking about all these different generations clashing into one kind of economic workforce that we're kind of experiencing right now. How do you break down those barriers? Like what, what is what are some of those stepping stones to breaking down those barriers so that way you can have a more uh, cohesive work environment? So I'm a communicator mm-hmm. and I believe communications is in a very effective bridge. Gotcha. And um, I'm also a researcher. So let's put the two together. Sure. I did a study of about 1400 individuals and I looked at all the different ways we communicate interpersonally. So that's everything from how you communicate without words, how you find out about people, what you tell people about yourself, how you kind of negotiate and work things out there. There are 12 different parts of interpersonal communications that are widely studied. And I looked at, in this study, baby boomers, Gen X, millennials, and Gen Z workers. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to understand, out of all these different types of interpersonal communications, which ones they felt that they were best at, that they appreciated as a proxy for what they value. And what I learned is that baby boomers tend to value active listening. That's paying attention to each other. Right. Some examples of how you can demonstrate active listening is, let's say someone's talking to you, are you looking them in the eye? Or are you looking at your phone? Or are you looking at your watch? Are you looking at your computer screen? Like, are you demonstrating that you are fully engaged? If they're saying something to you, have you perhaps paraphrased what you've heard to make sure that you have agreement? Right. Generation Z, which is my generation, mm-hmm. um, we tend to value working with others or collaboration. And so all the different dynamics that go along with collaboration, such as, you know, communication, teamwork, support, motivation, keeping lines of communication open, you know, providing feedback. So those are some of the things that Generation X values. Gotcha. And then interestingly, both millennials and Gen Z value showing empathy for others, you know, putting Hmm. yourself in another person's shoes, really taking the time to be compassionate, be more vulnerable in your display of emotions or how you're feeling, trying to insert yourself into a conversation without bias or judgment. Gotcha. And so one of the ways that I like to talk to organizations and companies and leaders about is when you are talking or having a conversation or interaction, if you focus on these big three, you know, demonstrating that you're actively listening, demonstrating collaboration and empathy, those are three things that you can do that will bridge the gap, I think, beautifully and respond across generation groups. Got you. Thank you for sharing that. I want to ask a quick follow up about Gen Z and and the millennials, because you talked about we, you know, and I fall in the the millennial generation, even though I'm not sure I'm either I'm either a very young Gen Xer or a very old millennial. I don't know yet. I'm born in 82. Uh, so I guess maybe I have some of those, you know, uh, those different dynamics from each, each generation. Uh, but I'm curious about you talked about the empathy uh, piece. Is it something that we saw growing up? You, you talked about being a product of uh, the environment and how we grow up. Is, is that wh- where do we get that from as far as millennials and Gen Z, as far as that empathy piece? Like what exactly are the those moments uh, to where that kind of frame that empathy piece for us? Is it? you know, the, uh, the collapse of 2008, is it stuff like that? Is it nine 11? Like what are some of those, those, the, I guess those history points or those things that were going on as we were growing up that kind of points to that. You know, some of the 
ancient researchers feel it has to do with all the great work that's gone on in the past couple of decades around mental health. Gotcha. Okay. And a recognition of how mental health is not a stigma and that it's okay to express when things are going well. Mm. It's okay to express when things are not going okay. So I remember from a workplace perspective, you know, maybe you've heard the expression, never let them see you sweat. Don't right, be vulnerable. It's, all, it's a sign of weakness. Right. Where there's been so much great work where it's now more acceptable for people to, to show vulnerability. In fact, many experts recommend that leaders show vulnerability so that they can foster trust. And so what that has done along with the fact that social media is now so prolific, particularly with the younger generations where they can express themselves, right. that these things are actually allowing people to have these connections, whether they are virtual or in person, but they're sharing how they're feeling. And then they're opening up how they're feeling to a broader audience, even strangers to get support. Gotcha. Can I ask a quick follow-up? Have you seen that maybe Gen Z and and the millennials are kind of rubbing off on the, the baby boomers uh, and, and the Gen Xs a little bit in the sense of kind of uh, showing them that, you know, uh, investing in, in mental health and is very important because I, I'm starting to see that from baby boomers as well. Have you seen that in your research as well, where baby boomers are kind of taking that mental health piece? So, you know, not necessarily serious, but more so they're uh, thinking about it a little bit more. Have you seen that in your research as well? I haven't necessarily researched mental health from okay. a generational perspective, sure. but sure. what I have, but what I have seen is that so if you think about in a, in a lot of workplaces, millennials are forty percent or more of the workplace, and the the Department of Labor Statistics says in the next five to ten years, seventy five percent of workers in the workforce will be millennials and younger, so millennials and Gen Z. Right, and we've seen a shift to more focus on mental health benefits in the workplace mm. and openness to provide that. And I've seen also in the management literature, a lot more focus on being able to be vulnerable, being able to express it as a manager, being open to listen and, and to be more empathetic and compassionate. So while I personally haven't studied it, I, I can say anecdotally from a benefits perspective and from just a work environment and expectations of managers, I'm seeing this shift. And I think it's a positive one. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you uh, for sharing that. And I want to ask you this as well. We recently had on the show, Douglas Scarborough, he's a a senior vice president at the federal reserve. And one of the things that he talked about, uh, you know, as far as like this demographic shift in the workplace, he talked about, uh, quote, the graying and browning of America. And, and this isn't like a political thing. This is just what's actually happening when you think about, you know, the census numbers and stuff like that. So as we're shifting as far as like not just from an age uh, standpoint, we're actually seeing in the workplace uh, that the workplace is becoming a little bit more brown, if you will, as well. Can you speak to uh, that dynamic as far as like um being more inviting, being more inclusive, because I imagine communicating in, the, in that piece is super important, especially given the times that we're in and and, and social uh, uh, change and things of that nature. Can you speak to that as well, Dr. Candace? Absolutely. So as an American and as a black woman, right. I think it's great that the country is becoming more inclusive. Go Some ahead. scholars look at, look at year, the year 2030 or 2050 as a tipping point where 
um, the demographics in the, the United States will shift from a majority Caucasian to a majority um, of people of color. Right. And, and that's shaped by a lot of things, mainly just by birth rate. Mm-hmm. And I think that's great. You know, as a, as a woman, as a African-American woman, as a black woman, I'm glad that our country is growing and becoming more diverse because studies show that diversity is great for enriching culture. It is great for also enriching people's lives and for business. And the companies that are doing a great job preparing for that, I think will see themselves uh, much further ahead because they will be thinking about their future workforce and their future customer base. And so anything you can do to be more open and inclusive is, is great. And some examples of how companies can do that are very straightforward. First, look at your data. You know, does your employee base reflect your community? Does it reflect the demographic of your customers? Does mm. it reflect the demographics of your location and your country? And so, and if it doesn't, what are some of the things you can do to make sure that you're being very proactive to bring that about? Also, in addition to hiring practice, which are fantastic, now what are the things you're doing to make sure that your workplace is actually inclusive? Right. I was recently reading an article about millennials, millennials of color, mm-hmm. and this particular article was focusing mainly on um, Hispanic and, and black millennials, and it, it focused on their frustration with companies that really had um, diversity and inclusion as a forefront of what they were saying in their mission. However, they really were expecting conformity. Mm. And so while they were bringing people in, they wanted to exclude all the richness that came with those individual cultures. And they felt that there was a certain whitewashing that was taking place and not a true valuation of what that means in terms of um, culture, expression, Everything from colloquialism to hair to dress to what they do in and outside of, you know, work hours to express themselves. And so I think if you really want to be inclusive, you also have to realize that each group brings cultural enrichment and be open to including that in your workplace. And then finally, having a dialogue in places for safe space for people to provide feedback to help the company be what they would like to to help them grow and thrive and be successful. Absolutely. Thank you uh, for sharing that. And, you know, speaking of, you know, as, as speaking as a black woman, I wanted to ask you this uh, because, you know, I we recently saw uh, the vice presidential uh, debate uh, between Kamala Harris, Senator Kamala Harris and Vice President Mike Pence. And after the day after there was an article that came out that talked about how uh, Senator Harris was not only having the opponent of Mike Pence, uh, Vice President Mike Pence on the stage, but there's also the stereotype of black women uh, that she was also fighting simultaneously at the same time. And we hear quite often that it, it's just a different uh, vantage point when you're a black woman in corporate America and stuff like that. You know, you've you've sat in the C-suite of a bank. Yeah, you, you know what I'm talking about. If you would just kind of share some of your insight, some of your you know, uh, challenges, some of some of the advice that maybe uh, you can share with somebody who has that similar experience that maybe you've had as well. So when I speak about this to um, other other 
people of color or to organizations about my own personal experience. I shared it to them that it doesn't matter that I'm a graduate of the University of Michigan. I have an MBA from Johns Hopkins or a doctorate from Case Western Reserve University. When I show up, people see me as a black woman. And so everything that's positive and everything that's negative that my fellow sisters go through, I am subject to that as well. Mm -hmm. That is a reality in America. But what I share with them is some of the things that my stepfather and my father and my mother imparted in me. And that is, I cannot let someone else's issue with who I am be my issue. Gotcha. Everything that's destined for me, I have to go out and try to get it. I'm also a person of faith. And so, you know, I believe in God and, and my faith also helps sustain me. And so some of the ways that I've tried to navigate my career is by not assuming bad intention. Got you. Got you. Thank you. That doesn't mean that I haven't been subject to things, but my frame, my, my mindset is one where I'm going to focus on good intentions and try really hard to surround myself with people. So I have support systems, so I don't have to go it alone. And I strongly recommend that people do that. Sure. Once again, startup nation, we're talking to, all right, Startup Nation, so we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. we got to pay some bills. Once again, my name is Dominic Lawson, and you're listening to The Startup Life. Check it out, Startup Nation. I know many of you are trying to improve your marketing performance, right? You have your business or your e-commerce store, and you're trying to increase that brand awareness. No worries. I got you. You should listen to the brand new Keep Optimizing podcast. That's optimizing with an S and not a Z. It's a marketing podcast that will provide you with not only the latest tips and advice in the game, but also you will hear from experts in their field when it comes to email marketing, SEO, and more. This is a must-listen-to podcast for my e-commerce entrepreneurs. It's hosted by Chloe Thomas, who is a 15-year marketing expert, best-selling author, and award-winning podcast host. It's already a top-20 marketing podcast in seven countries, so clearly you're going to get amazing value every episode. So as you can see, Stoutermation, you're in good hands with my girl, CT. So listen and subscribe to the Keep Optimizing podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you like to get your favorite podcast. You can also get more information at keepoptimizing.com. The link is there in the show notes. Oralex powers this episode of the Startup Life. Startup Nation, as a podcaster, radio host, and business owner, I know a thing or two about the need for your message to come through clearly to your target audience. The last thing you want when trying to close a big deal over the phone or giving a sales presentation in your conference room is to have the person you are talking to be distracted by either the fact that you sound like you're in a warehouse or an outside noise like a fire truck. Trust me, Startup Nation. I know this all too well from experience. And that is why Oralex has your back. Oralex Acoustics creates professionally tested products that you can trust in a commercial space or at home. Better office acoustics improves intelligibility when video conferencing or generic conversation reduces stress and helps build a proactive work atmosphere. From a home studio for my content creators to your office space downtown, your gear performs better in an acoustically treated room. 
Trust me, you are in good hands with Oralex as they are the number one brand in acoustics, providing trusted solutions for over 40 years. Also, you can download the Oralex Acoustic Treatment mobile app in the Apple or Google Play Store to give you specifically designed and instantaneous recommendations for various room types. Go to Oralex.com and use the promo code STARTUP in all caps for 10% off your entire order. The link is there in the show notes if you are listening to the replay on the podcast. So if you are ready to stop sounding like you're having a sales meeting in a sports arena, go with Oralex. Professional audio made simple. Tresla powers this episode of The Startup Life. Okay, Startup Nation, I want to talk to you about our sponsor, Tresta. Tresta is an app for iPhone and Android that lets you do business calling and texting from anywhere. I know so many entrepreneurs that are still using their, their personal phone number for business calls. It can get complicated drawing the line between your personal and professional life. Startup Nation, this is the best business phone app out there. Whether you just need a business phone number or if your team is ready for a complete business phone system, Tresta is totally flexible and can grow with your business. And it's all unlimited. Calling, texting, and all of the powerful call management features like auto attendance, call recording, user groups, and more for just $15 per user per month. With Tresta, there's no contract and you don't need any special hardware, just your smartphone you're already using. Tresta is easy to configure so you can set everything up yourself, all online avoiding all the hassle and high overhead costs of setting up a traditional business phone system, which is important because as entrepreneurs, we are always trying to cut cost and time. They're often a 30-day free trial so you can see if Tresta's virtual phone system is right for you. Communicate smarter and more efficiently with Tresta. Start now at Tresta.com forward slash startup life. That's T-R-E-S-T-A dot com forward slash startup life. The link is there in the show notes if you're listening on the podcast. Tresta, business communication simplified. All right, Startup Nation, welcome back as we continue our conversation with today's guest here on The Startup Life. Dr. Candace Steele Philippin, uh, the uh, author of Generation Z in the Workplace. If you want to purchase that book, we have a link there in the show notes uh, for easy access if you're listening to the replay uh, on the podcast. Also, if you want to check out her website, her website is there uh, in the show notes as well. And if you're listening on radio, it's CandiceStillFlippin.com. Uh, Once again, we do have that link there in the show notes for easy access. So, Dr. Candice, when you're talking about Generation Z, you know, one of the things that we see is that uh, when you ask them, when poll, 44% of them have entrepreneurial endeavors that they want to kind of pursue or whatever the case may be. And maybe they don't necessarily mean become full fledged entrepreneurs, uh, but they definitely want to kind of uh, have an entrepreneurial mindset, whether it be building a business or in the workplace. When you're talking to leaders uh, and when you're consulting and speaking, you know, how do you share with those leaders that you want them to innovate and, and share their thoughts within the workplace? Because we see too many times where leaders, they kind of push that innovation down within subordinates and they end up leave the company and build the whole company. And now they're a competitor of the company they just left. So how do you kind of share and coach leaders on uh, cultivating that entrepreneurial mindset within a uh, traditional workplace? That's a great question. And I think it has to do with perspective. Mm. So I'm a generation X. I mentioned that. Right. And when, you know, I came of age, my mate, my, managers were mainly baby boomers and some traditionalists. And when they came of age in the workplace, 
it was kind of figure it out, you know, mm. so you were given an assignment and you were told to figure it out. Some people had training and development programs, but it was very independent. And I believe from my research that Gen Z doesn't have a problem figuring it out, but they need framework because the way they figure things out, they have lots of tools and technology that they use to leverage decision-making. And so what I recommend managers do is to provide frameworks on how their employees can reach their goals and objectives. And so if you're giving someone a task, give them the guardrails and let them know what good looks like because they're going to leverage technology and some of the other tips that they've developed just through their upbringing to come up with a very simple, straightforward answer Mm -hmm. based on their knowledge base. And And so in the absence of that or being told to figure it out, sometimes there's a disconnect. The other thing I would also recommend is that you provide constructive feedback mm. and make sure that people are high, are motivated and that you're rewarding them for, for their success. So I'll give you an example. Sure. Um, and this one, this one may be familiar with people. You have an employee, they finish a project and then you have a meeting with them and now they want to get promoted or they've been with the company six months and now they want to be promoted. And right. I think about context of younger workers, you know, if you think about gaming, you know, in gaming, it doesn't matter if you if you go to the level once or it takes you 10 times or two weeks or one day to get to the next level. The minute you accomplish a task, mm-hmm. you advance. And if you have a whole generation or generations of individuals who have that mindset that mastery is not temporal and you don't have to do it over and over again, once you succeed, you can go to the next level. I think it's such an, an expectation. Whereas older generations, mastery was you had to do the same performance over and over again for a sustained period of time with kind of a black box around when you could get promoted. So they have mm. different expectations. And so I think if you have clarity and transparency around exactly what it takes and people know that up front, then, then you reduce some of the retention gaps that may exist from people having this expectations. For sure. I appreciate that. I want to ask a quick follow-up because you talked about that constructive criticism, I mean, that constructive feedback, uh, if you will. And, and sometimes that can be a very tough conversation. Let's be honest. <laughs> you know, kind of walk us through what a, a, a conversation like that, you know, what kind of sound like, you know, what are some key things to remember when you're having that constructive feedback session, you know, uh, to uh, kind of well, I guess what I'm saying, like, what are some of those rules when it comes to that, when you're talking to somebody about and giving that constructive feedback? I think the first rule is that you need to make sure people understand that feedback is an expectation. Fair enough. You know, some people don't like feedback if they don't know what's coming. <laughs> so gotcha. if people understand, you know, there will be feedback, either here the, the ways for formal feedback, whether it's a review once or twice a year, or informal feedback, you know, how that's going to happen. And so one of the things you want to do is make sure that the time and circumstance and situation for the feedback is appropriate. You also want to understand how people like to give and receive feedback. So for example, um, you know, maybe if you see someone working on something, they're very busy, maybe that's not the time to stop and talk about something that went, that went wrong. Mm. Or, or um, you know, you know, maybe people like to have feedback, um, 
you know, in, in, in a setting where they feel safe. So maybe if you get called into the boss's office, right. maybe that works for you or maybe it's some other kind of setting, but making sure that, you know, people understand that. And then start with something positive first, right? right. So, you know, I, I, I believe that there's a silver lining almost everywhere. So if you start with something positive first and then share feedback in a way that allows people to move towards something positive. So just saying, you know, Candace, you did a terrible job. I don't know how you came to work here. It's not going to work. But if you say, you know, help, help me, you know, help me understand what you were thinking when you made this decision. Right. I want to understand what, you know, what you were doing so that, you know, next time we'll get a different result or, you know, I like what you did. I just don't understand how you got there. Let's talk about it so that people won't necessarily feel threatened. And then I think also too, it's important to know someone's communication style. If someone is very direct and you're taking a long time to get to the point, they're going to think that maybe you're not being honest and straightforward with them. Mm. And so if you're talking to someone who's direct, you've got to kind of be willing to put it on the table. And then finally, if you have to broach a difficult conversation, make sure you're prepared. Some people don't like to give feedback if it's negative. Right. But then you're robbing someone an opportunity to grow. At the same time, some people don't like to give positive feedback when someone does something well. So if someone's only ever hearing negative feedback from from them, when you're ready to give them something positive, they don't know how to receive it. So you have to make sure you're balancing the feedback so that it's more balanced. When someone does a great job, recognize them. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing. And you know, you mentioned something earlier uh, in in that answer. It's like, it's like some of the subtle things can make a huge difference. You talked about maybe when you're giving that constructive feedback, maybe uh, the, the setting may uh, can can change to kind of give uh, that kind of constructive feedback. It reminds me of uh, when I was back in my banking days, back in Colorado, I used to work at a bank inside of a grocery store and I had to get one of those constructive feedback sessions. But instead of doing it at the office uh, at the bank, you know, since we were inside of the grocery store, we went down the way to the Starbucks and, and did yeah. it that way. And so, and, and I just remember like to that little small gesture uh, but at the same time, going out of his way to kind of do that, it made me feel calm and and, and I was actually ta- able to take the medicine a little bit better, you know. But but ever since then, I, you know, I found myself, you know, being more loyal to him and being more loyal in my work, you know, and making sure to make him look good. And when when the big boss came in or whatever the case may be. So now I definitely see where you're what you're saying about that. And I appreciate you sharing that insight. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, study makes a difference for sure. For sure. Thank you uh, for sharing that again. Uh, I wanted to ask you this, like, you know, when you give speaking engagements and and, and do consulting and people bring you in, what, what's that number one thing people want you to kind of speak to? What's that number one thing they kind of want you to, quote unquote, fix, uh, if you will, Dr. Candace? <laughs> uh, well, I, the number one thing people want me to do is first answer whether or not generational differences are real. Mm, gotcha. Um, I sometimes suspect that what people really want is justification for holding on to their bias. Mm. And so the first thing I do is I talk about generational values and how reality is, is that every generation probably values the same thing. It's just that where they prioritize them based on what was happening in their historical context, maybe in different places. Right. 
Um, that's the first thing. The second thing that they're looking to do is find a constructive way to open up a dialogue. Right. Uh, to, 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 to bridge understanding. And I find that the easiest way to do that is to bring people together and to talk about what's important to you and what are those areas of commonality. So everyone's going to have something that they value the most, but usually there's overlap. And so we start with the areas of overlap and work from there. Gotcha. Gotcha. Thank you for sharing that uh, for sure. Once again, Startup Nation, we're actually wrapping up with Dr. Candace Steele Flippin, uh, the author of Generation Z in the Workplace. You know, once again, if you want to purchase that book, we have a link there in the show notes for easy access if you're listening to the replay on the podcast. Also, if you love uh, the content that we're talking about and want to get more insight into what Dr. Candace does, make sure you check out her her podcast, Beyond the Gap uh, with Dr. Candace. That is actually on her website. We have that link there in the show notes uh, as well. Dr. Candace, uh, you know, speaking of speaking engagements and stuff like that, earlier this year, before the world turned upside down, you actually gave a TED talk uh, here in the beautiful yes. land in the world we like to call Memphis, Tennessee, uh, which is That's why right. I was excited you know, for you to come on the show, because I'm born and raised in Memphis uh, as well. Uh, I wanted to ask you, talk about that preparation for a tech talk. Tech talks are like these big, huge uh, deals. Kind of talk about your preparation and how you prepare for that talk. Yes. So I was very pleased um, that New Memphis allowed me to be able to be a part of this at TEDx Memphis. And what I did was really work with some of my friends who were millennials who actually encouraged me to pursue this on a topic that was relevant to them. And my TED Talk or TEDx talk topic was what women really want that mm-hmm. that that at work and so i looked at my research to come up with some key takeaways the second thing i did actually practice gotcha they provided a coach for me and even though i've spoken in front of groups of over a thousand that was probably the most nerve-wracking practice session of my life mm-hmm. um because it has a you know the opportunity to be so widely spread so i practiced quite a bit okay and I had a great coach. And then I also practiced for my family, which I think were my toughest critics, was probably <laughs> super supportive. And I wanted to try to convey a story that not only could resonate with the people who are watching it and who may be listening to it later, um, but also some practical tips that they could take away um, to help improve their careers and their life conditions. Gotcha. Gotcha. No, I appreciate that because we have a lot of people who listen to the show. They want to be influencers and they want to speak uh, and give it, you know, talks like that. And and maybe you want to do a TED talk uh, one day. So I think that's valuable uh, insight as well. Startup Nation, when you go to uh, Dr. Uh, Candace's Instagram account, you'll see all types of different great content. Uh, but you also may see a picture of her as a Girl Scout uh, as, as well. If you would, Dr. Candace, kind of talk about your time as a Girl Scout. You know, my mom was actually our scout leader, and I was really okay. proud um, to be a Girl Scout. My sister was also a Girl Scout. She was a Browning, then she was a Girl Scout. I went in up to a cadet, and it really taught me a lot of valuable lessons and life skills. Mm. And so, um, and, and just everything from nature to, um, you know, thinking about my career, 
There was a popular song that we used to sing, Make New Friends, to keep the old one is silver and the other is gold. And that actually then helped me be a networker. I stay in contact with almost everyone I've ever met. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm really glad we have social media now. It makes it easier. But I, I, I think scouting teaches young girls, girl scouts teach a lot of girls about independence, mm-hmm. about critical thinking, about the importance of working together and collaboration. And it was also very fun. And I'm very grateful. And over the years, I've met a lot of former Girl Scouts. And for the most part, we all say the same thing. There's something that I'm proud that I've had the opportunity to do. And that's why I posted my picture up on my Instagram. Gotcha. Got you. Thank you for sharing that. I wanted to be uh, a Boy Scout. I remember them coming to the school or whatever to kind of like, you know, pitch, make the pitch to us and stuff like that. And I wanted to do it, but my mom wouldn't let me because the only motivation I had to do it because I wanted to get those free Memphis State basketball tickets. So she was like, you're not, you're not doing it. You're not doing it for the right reasons. So she wouldn't let me uh, join the Boy Scouts, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, but I, I wanted to ask you this as well. And you'd honestly, you honestly, you earlier you talked about like, like, you know, gaming and stuff like that. And I saw in my research that you're a bit uh, of a Trekkie. So the first thing I wanted to ask you is, are you a bit of, are you a gamer, Dr. Candace? You know, I can't say that I'm a gamer because my younger brothers have put that to the test and oh. I didn't pass. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> but I, you know, and I believe, you know, my sister actually works for NASA and she shared with you that one of the questions they used to ask in interviews are, you know, Star Trek or Star Wars. Right. And while there's definitely room for both, I am a proud Trekker. You know, I, I love Star Trek. I, I love this new Discovery season that just came out. Mm-hmm. I'm just, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a nerd. I'm proud. Nerds everywhere. Raise your hands up high. But yes, yeah, Star Trek. I love it. Gotcha. You know, I, I was going, I was curious about that because, you know, what is it, what, what is it that it attracts you to Star Trek? Cause I, I'm more of a Star Wars person, but I do like Star Trek as well. But why Star Trek or Star <laughs> Wars for you, for you personally? So I'm going to go back when I okay. was a little girl. Um, in, in grade school, there was this re- weekly reader that came out called highlight. Oh yeah, absolutely. Do you remember highlights? Yeah, and I, I do. remember being, I think, in the third grade. And highlights had this story about one day there was going to be the city in space. I think it was a precursor to Sky, was it Skylab? But they they talked about that. They talked about all these other future predictions. They talked about how one day you would have a phone that you could carry around with you when mm. you plugged in the wall. And they talked about cable and all these things. And I remember just being fascinated about technology and fascinated about the possibilities of what technology could do um, to advance society and life. And then I, and then I remember seeing a black woman in that show because up to that time, whenever I would see sci-fi TV shows, or actually it was more like TV shows, like the Japanese shows that would come on an anime, or I would see um, movies, there weren't any black people in them. Right, And when I saw um, Star Trek and there was a black woman there, it just, it just hooked me. And then the storylines of how they blended um, cultural context with, you know, the future fascinated me. And then since then, everything that we've seen with, you know, technology enhancements in that space has just really been remarkable. And I'm, I'm hooked, you know, no matter which universe that they're, they're in or which series or which captain, um, yeah, love it. Love it, love it, love it. Gotcha. And I've recruited my friends and my family to Star Trek. So, right. You know. 
It's, it's funny. Did you you hear the story? Because you're, you're talking about Nichelle Nichols, who plays Captain Uhura, I believe. Yes. That's what you're talking about, right? Yes. So, yes. Uh, uh, or, no, Lieutenant Uhura, I'm sorry. Tra- any Trekkies out there, Lieutenant. I apologize. My apologies. I got that wrong. Uh, so, uh, but no, you ever hear the story between her and Dr. King? Because how she was getting ready to quit the show? Yes, and how he had a conversation right, with her, right? And how it was important for her to represent, absolutely, and, and what her role represent, and and you know, and I'm a testament to that. Seeing mm-hmm, her right. motivated me, so it was actually a great conversation that he had with her, and I'm glad she listened. Absolutely, I, I find that story fascinating. I found out about that story, I think, about two years ago, and I just thought that was fascinating. So I appreciate uh, you sharing your your background, your story on that, and being a trekkie. Yeah, uh, and it. I and I, I went into communications. Absolutely. You know? I went into Yep. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing. And, and your sister works at NASA. So there you go. Absolutely. Yep. Once again, once again, we're, like I said, we're wrapping up with Dr. Uh, Candace Still Flipping. Uh, if you want to check out her website, we have that uh, website there in the show notes for easy access. And before I ask the last question, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on the show. I hope you had uh, a great time as much as we have had uh, on the show. Uh, for sure. But now I'm actually going to turn the microphone over to you because there's somebody out there that's on their path, whether it be entrepreneurship or trying to scale the the nine to five, especially with everything going on. They feel a little discouraged. Uh, Dr. Candice, can you give us some words of encouragement to take us out for today, if you don't mind? Absolutely. The first thing I will say is something that I heard from um, Ambassador Young. He spoke to many of my colleagues about two years ago, and he said, you know, a lot of things that we're seeing, we think that they're probably the worst that things have been. And maybe in some of the cases, that may be true. But if you think about life over time, things get better. And it's important to not go it alone. And so for those of you who are, you know, looking at difficulty or uncertainty, I invite you to think about how things can get better, and then reach out and find someone to help you along that path, that journey, so you don't have to struggle by yourself. For some of you, it may be your faith. For some of you, it may be your family. For some of you, it may be your friends. For some people, it may be social media. But do what you can to make a step forward so you don't have to do it alone. For sure. And for my millennial and Gen Z um, listeners out there, I would say thank you for everything you're doing to help make our world and our workplaces a better place. My generation, Gen X, we did our part. Every generation improves our social standing and our workplace. And so I thank you for holding on to your values and not compromising them because they're making a difference and you can make a difference. For sure. You can make a difference, Startup Nation. Thank you so much. And that's going to wrap up this session of the startup life. Once again, we want to thank Dr. Candace for coming on the show. Thank you so much, man. We really appreciate your time. Oh, it was my pleasure. Thank you so much, Devin. I really enjoyed it. No worries. And as always, Startup Nation, if you have an idea, be about that life, the startup life. If you want to let us know what you think about our show, have an idea for a show topic, or would like to advertise on our show, send us a message on the Startup Life Podcast Facebook page. And while you are there, like and follow our page as well. It's a great way for us to engage with you, Startup Nation, and really grow our community. The link is there in the show notes. Subscribe to the show as it can be heard on Apple Podcasts, 
Google Play, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, or even on your Facebook timeline or any other platform you like to get your podcast. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts and you find our content valuable, please give us a five-star rating as it will help us climb the charts and help more people find our show. You can also listen to the show on the Startup Life Podcast new website. There you will find the all-new Startup Blog where I write on many topics that are interesting and helpful to you on your path to entrepreneurship. And hey, if you have an idea, be about that life, the startup life.